You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We've been going through a sequence of halachot, of decisions, where Beit Shammai say one thing, Beit Hillel say something else. Generally, Beit Shammai are strict and Beit Hillel are lenient. And the sages decide according to Beit Hillel, and perhaps there's a third opinion at the end. That's been the pattern for pretty much the first chapter and a half of the Mishnah Beitzer. And we're now going to conclude this pattern. And, but we're going to change it. Focused on groups of three. It's very interesting that the... Um, Somehow the Mishnah Beitzah seems to be, it seems to have some literary patterns to it, but these patterns change as we go through the Mishnah. So let's try to pay attention as we go through this part of the Mishnah and we'll see how the patterns change. So how do we know we're starting, we're changing to a group of three? Well, first of all, we begin Shloshadvarim in three, three things. But these three things are going to be effectively the this is the board, this is the boundary Mishnah, the finishing off of the discussion of Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai, and then the beginning of a new new sets of threes. Shloshadvarim Rabban Gamliel Machmir Kedivrei Beit Shammai. There are three places where Rabban Gamliel was actually strict, like the words of Beit Shammai. In other words, he followed Beit Shammai strictly, rather than. Um, Gosh, Beit Hillel, as we do. And by the way, the sages will follow Beit Hillel almost always. So Rabban Gamliel is outvoted by his sages. Very interesting example, maybe for governance of government today, actually. that The head of the Beit Din is outvoted by the sages. So what are these three things? Uh, we don't cover up hot food on Yom Tov to keep it hot on Shabbat. We don't stand up a lamp on a festival. I think this is a lamp that's fallen over. We don't pick it up and stand it up again. We don't bake thick loaves, but only thin loaves. Rikikin are basically sort of thin matzah star cakes. And Rabban Gamliel, he makes a point. Am I Rabban Gamliel? Me mayhem. In all their days, my father's house never baked large loaves, but only wafer-thin cakes. So that's his practice. And Rabban Gamliel, by the way, often differs from the established halacha. So, for example, when he's in mourning, he takes a bath. And we um, we don't take... We, yeah, he, the sages ask him why. And he says, oh, well, I'm very delicate. I'm very tender. That's why I have to take a bath even in the seven days after. I'm, I'm in morning. I'm in Avel for seven days. I'm going to take a bath. I'm just a very delicate person. But no one disputes that the halacha doesn't, doesn't, doesn't allow it. But that's what he does. And it's with this kind of sort of uh, attitude that the sages respond to him. Amrulo, they said to him, what can we do with regard to your father's house? But they were strict in respect to themselves. But, and here's the punchline, 
but they were lenient towards all of the rest of the people of Israel. They were lenient towards all the rest of the people of Israel to let them bake both large loaves and even these are uh, char these are charcoal roasted loaves. So in other words, the people of Israel did not follow the practice the practice of Rabban Gamliel. And I think this is probably the sense of the beginning of the Mishnah. In these three cases, Rabban Gamliel was strict, like the words of Beit Shammai. Maybe the suggestion here is that he does not expect the rest of the people of Israel to follow him. This is his particular practice. Now we're going to follow the rule of three. We've now changed from Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai to the rule of three. He also made three lenient decisions. And these were forbidden. These, this, again, the sages did not agree. One sweeps out between the couches. Now, lechabed um, means to honor somebody. But it seems to mean, and Jastro will justify this, in quite a few places it's used to mean to tidy up, to sweep out. Somehow you honour the room by sweeping it out. The sages will forbid you to sweep out because you may basically um, fill holes. You may fill holes in the ground. You may actually alter the ground structure by sweeping up. Remember they had dirt floors in those days. But Rabban Gamliel, maybe he has a stone floor, by the way. Um, Rabban Gamliel will sweep up between the couches. So we're going we're gonna to eat Roman style, reclining. And the crumbs are going to fall on the ground between the couches. And after the meal, Rabban Gamliel, in, in Rabban Gamliel's house, they're going to sweep up between the couches. Mechabdin ben Hamitot. So he's going to sweep between the couches. They put a mugmar on. On, on a festival. A mugmar is a kind of a, a, a collection of spices which you put on the fire in order to make your house smell really lovely. And of course we know that you can cook on Yomtov. And we learned um, two Mishnayot ago that you can use a fire to warm yourself up on Yomtov. So we're using a fire to heat a human and we're using a fire to heat food. But it seems that the sages will not allow us to use a fire to make the house smell nice. It's not kind of personal, it's not personal warmth and it's not food, even though the spices in principle are food. Although Rabban Gamaliel would do this in his house. And they'd roast a kid whole on the night of Passover. Now this is after the destruction, this is not the Pesach offering. This is after the destruction. And when you roast a kid whole, I mean, this is how they would roast it on Pesach. But we don't roast, after, after the destruction of the temple, we don't roast a kid whole because it looks like we're, I mean, it, 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 basically it, it looks like we're celebrating Pesach, but outside the temple, outside the structure of the temple. So the sages forbid and the sages forbid. Let's have some more threes. 
שלושה דברים רבי אלעזר בן עזריה מתיר וחכמים מוסרים. In three cases, three things רבי אלעזר בן עזריה permits and the sages forbid. You see, we're in the set, this pattern. There are three things, שלושה דברים, and the sages are going to forbid. Parato, and these, by the way, are nothing, not necessarily to do with Beitza or to do with Yom Tov. So we're, we're just going off on a track of triple halachot. The parato um, his cow used to go out with a strap which she had between her horns. We actually learned this Mishnah on Shabbat. This is referring to an animal going out on Shabbat. Of course, the animal can't work on Shabbat. The Shabbat is a rest for your your um, your animals and your slaves as much as it is for you. So the animal can't work on Shabbat. But Rabbi Yezel and Azari apparently had this cow that used to go out with straps on its horns. Maybe it wasn't his cow. Maybe the, the Gemara in Shabbat says, well, maybe it was his neighbor's cow, but he didn't protest. That's why it was attributed to him as if it was his cow. Seems pretty clear from the Mishnah in Beitzai was his cow. And the sages did not agree. What else did he do? You can curry cattle on a festival. This is, this is a curry is a kind of um, fierce steel or metal comb that you use to kind of, um, you, you use to comb out knots in animals' fur. And of course, it's a metal, it's a really tough metal comb and you can, you can make a cut in the animal as you're currying it. And we're not going to, we're not going to slash the animal on Yomtu. So the sage will forbid it. And one may grind pepper in its own mill. And we've seen, of course, already from the discussion about grinding spices that grinding spices, the whole question of grinding spices is, um, is a question under debate on Yomtu. Can you grind spices or not? Maybe you can grind them in the Beit Hillel rule that you can grind them in an ordinary mortar and pestle because you need them fresh. The commentators on this Mishnah say we're talking about a small a domestic pepper mill where the sages might permit or a big commercial one where Rabbi Elazar ben, ben Azariah would permit but the sages would forbid. Rabbi Yudah says, Rabbi Yudah Omer, Ein Bekardin et Abeimah B'yom Tov, Mipnei Shoseach Ubra Aval Mekatsrufin. Rabbi Yudah says, look, you wouldn't curry your anna cattle on a festival because it would cause a wound, but you comb them, use a different kind of implement. V'chachamim Omrim, Ein Bekardin, Af Lop Mekatsrufin. We don't curry them, we don't comb them. We're not going to do this kind of work on Yom Tov. What is it about this pepper mill? And very interestingly, the Mishnah now brings another rule of three, which I, I couldn't resist bringing just because it goes with the previous Mishnah, even though it's a, it, it's, this is more than the normal quantity we deal with in one shear. Harichaim shall pilpel to mishum the pepper mill is susceptible to impurity. In other words, it, it, it can be made impure because of three kalim, three utensils. Remember, we've already learned that anything defined as a kli, a kli is a finished object, basically. Anything which is a finished object, a kli, is 
receptive to to my in other words if um <laughs> if it comes into contact with a dead body or a dead sheretz it becomes impure and we anyway we can't put food into it on we certainly can't put food into it if we're gonna if a uh, if a Kohen is going to subsequently eat the food, or if we're going to, if we want to be in a state of Tahara. So, why is the pepper mill going to be receptive to Tumai? Well, it seems like there are three different parts in the pepper mill, each one of it, each one of which could be Makabel Tumai, could be susceptible to becoming unclean. Mishum Klikibul, the first one is the receptacle. And this seems to be a wooden receptacle at the bottom of the pepper mill, but, you know, it could be metal as well. When we finish grinding our pepper, it's going to fall in the bottom of the mill and there's going to be some kind of little cup underneath to catch the pepper. So that's, if it's a receptacle and it's finished with clearly a clean, right? It's just like any other dish. So it must be susceptible to uncleanness. Umishum kli matachot. There's some metal kli. There's some metal utensil in it. This must be the grinder. There's a metal grinder which is grinding this pepper away. And because it's a finished off metal object, it's a kli. It can be, it can receive, it can, it's susceptible to uncleanness. Umishum kli kvara. And also because of a sifter kli. And why the sifter Kli does receive Tumai is not really quite clear. Perhaps because the things, maybe it's a receptacle, maybe because things sit in it, or maybe because it's a bit like a cloth. And a, 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 of course, a cloth garment can, can, uh, can be made Tumai. So we're not quite sure why. And... But it's very interesting that the Mishnah is going to continue with its role, rule of three. And we will see a little bit more of these patterns as we continue the end of the chapter and the beginning of the next one. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.